For some reason, November 2nd is marked by some as Look for Circles Day. According to one website, a circle is a shape where all the points in the shape are on the same plane and are equidistant from a single point in the middle, which is known as the center of the circle. These sorts of definitions permeate Charlottesville Community Engagement, a program that seeks to roll along for many periods to come. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, and I'm a bit roly-poly. On today's program, the Area's Association of Realtors releases the latest look at the housing market. Charlottesville opens up applications for the funding of major housing initiatives. The Regional Transit Vision Plan is nearing completion, and the two candidates for the 5th Congressional District offer comments to the Chambers of Commerce in Danville, Charlottesville, and Lynchburg. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society continues its speaker series on November 10th by welcoming Dr. John Edwin Mason for a discussion of the Visions of Progress Photography Exhibition, which is on display at UVA's Small Special Collections Library. Mason teaches African history and the history of photography at the University of Virginia. The exhibition showcases portraits that African Americans in Central Virginia commissioned from Charlottesville's Holsinger Studio during the first decades of the 20th century. This is a hybrid program, meaning you can either attend in person or at Northside Library, or remotely via Facebook Live. Learn more at jmrl.org. Housing sales have been down for five consecutive quarters in the region covered by the Charlottesville Area Association of Realtors. The group released their quarterly report today. There were 1,206 home sales in the car region during the third quarter of 2022. This is 192 fewer sales than this time last year, which is a 14% drop. The report states that one reason is the higher cost of borrowing money. Mortgage rates have also increased with 6.92% for a 30-year fixed-rate loan, up 3.87% over a year ago. At the same time, the price of homes continues to increase, with a median price of $405,000, up 11% over the year. That's despite having more homes on the market. There were 829 active listings on the market at the end of the third quarter, 226 more listings than a year ago, a 37% increase. The cost of newly constructed homes increased to $466,900 compared to $401,440 in the third quarter of 2021. Sales were down across all six localities in the car footprint, with Charlottesville the steepest drop at 22% with 146 sales. The full report can be found on the CAR website. While you're there, you'll see that the organization is hoping to raise $10,000 this year for the Blue Ridge Area Food Bank. They are almost halfway there if you want to help them out. Charlottesville City Council adopted an affordable housing plan in March of 2021 that calls for $10 million a year in investment in programs and initiatives to expand the amount of units that are guaranteed to be rented or sold to people with incomes below 60% of the area median income. 
On Tuesday, the city announced it is seeking proposals from groups for city funding to help subsidize the cost of major projects. This application process is open to those multifamily affordable housing development projects proposed to be located within city limits that may be requesting significant investment consideration for which developers may be desiring to ask the city to assist with gap funding. The ideal use of the funding is to help with applications for low-income housing tax credits, which are distributed by the entity formerly known as the Virginia Housing Development Authority, now known as Virginia Housing. No set amount is specified, and the applications will be used to help make decisions in the Capital Improvement Program budget. The current capital improvement includes $3 million for the Charlottesville Housing and Redevelopment Authority in the adopted fiscal year, and another $9 million over the following three years. Piedmont Housing Alliance has $2.5 million in the current fiscal year for Friendship Court, plus another $7.75 million over the following four years. To be eligible for funding, groups must either be a nonprofit organization or the CRHA. Applicants must not be in violation of any federal, state, or local regulations, and affordability must be for households lower than 60% of the area median income for a period of at least 30 years. The preferred term is 99 years. The five-year capital budget in Charlottesville also includes placeholders of $3 million for a Piedmont Housing Alliance project at the site of the Monticello Area Community Action Agency and nearly $2 million for Piedmont Housing Alliance at Park Street Christian Church. Council approved rezonings for both earlier this year. Tomorrow night, the Board of Commissioners of the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission will see the final version of a plan intended to show the way for a more frequent and more reliable public transportation system. Lucinda Shannon is a transportation planner with TJPDC. The Regional Transit Vision Plan is a 28-month, $350,000 project supported by the DRPT, the City of Charlottesville, Albemarle County, and the TJPDC. We use data and community engagement to establish a, a single unified long-term vision for transit services in the Charlottesville area. The work leads into another plan intended to recommend changes in governance structures. Currently, the city of Charlottesville owns Charlottesville Area Transit, the University of Virginia owns the University Transit Service, and shareholders, including local governments, own Jaunt. The Regional Transit Partnership was formed in 2017 to serve as an information clearinghouse for transit issues and is attended by top officials at all three transit providers, as well as DRPT officials and other stakeholders. The group took a look at the plan at their meeting on October 27, 2022. Much of that $350,000 went to either the firm AECOM or the firm Jarrett Walker & Associates, Scudder WAG works for the latter. The initial chapter of the, the vision is describing why think about transit, why think about expanding transit. And one of the significant reasons why uh, is that transportation costs are pretty high in this region. Um, the average household in Albemarle and Charlottesville, the urbanized area, um, spends about 21% of its uh, its income on transportation, which is a, a good bit higher than the 16% average for um, uh, across the United States. WAG said the current transit system is not doing much to achieve the goal of increasing access to economic opportunity, 
because fixed route service is not frequent enough. Frequency is enormously important to how long you have to wait for the vehicle to show up, how long you have to wait when you're transferring, and therefore how much time you have to spend traveling. As a result, WAG said transit is not useful for most people who have a choice about how to get around. The first recommendation is to increase service and frequency. New route changes for Charlottesville area transit were reviewed last year, but have been delayed due to a lack of drivers. City Council agreed earlier this fall to increase driver salaries to the highest in the region, and at least 15 new applications have been made. The vision provides two potential networks for the region, including outlying counties. One is a system of enhanced service that does not take into consideration any financial constraints. That adds up to a $70 million a year enterprise, plus capital costs for a bus rapid transit service similar to the Pulse, operated by the Greater Richmond Transit Company, as well as more crosstown routes, as opposed to the current system, where most routes require a downtown transfer. The second is a constrained network that factors in potential new sources of revenue. That would allow around $35.5 million a year. This assumes the formation of a transportation authority with taxing power. That's significantly more than the current overall budget of about $19.5 million a year between CAT and Jaunt today. Um, obviously, you have a much smaller budget, so we can't do as much in terms of uh, significant improvements to service. Frequency is expensive. You double the frequency of a route, you've doubled its operating cost in effect. Comments can be mailed to Shannon through November 10th, and a final plan will be ready by the end of November. I'll have more from the Regional Transit Partnership in the next installment of this program, and if you can't wait, take a look right now. There's a link to the YouTube video in the newsletter. Wraki jest gotów zdetonować 50 megatonową carską bombę. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement and in today's second subscriber supported shout out, an area nonprofit wants you to know about what they offer to help you learn how to preserve, protect and appreciate trees. The Charlottesville Area Tree Stewards holds several events throughout the year, including a walk in western Albemarle County on the morning of November 12th through a well-preserved and highly diverse woodland to see naturally occurring winterberry, spice bush, and dogwood laden with red berries. In abundance will be nuts from forest oaks, hickories, walnuts, as well as orchard-grown Chinese chestnuts, walnuts, pecans, and American hazelnuts. Registration is limited. Visit charlottesvilleareatreestewards.org for more information. There are now six days until the election day. And as of yesterday, 688,302 Virginians have voted early. That's according to data collected by the Virginia Public Access Projects. About a tenth of that number comes from the 5th District, where Democrat Josh Throneberg is looking to unseat Republican first-term incumbent Bob Good. Both candidates sat down virtually with leaders from three chambers of commerce. They are the Lynchburg Regional Alliance, the Charlottesville Regional Chamber of Commerce, and the Danville, Pennsylvania County Chamber. They were there to answer a series of prepared questions. 
The newsletter will have a few quotes, but right now you're going to hear, in the podcast form, the entire answers to each of these questions. I'll have one per day until the election. Today, opening statements from both candidates. Let's begin with Bob Good, who served on the Campbell County Board of Supervisors for four years before his election to the House of Representatives in 2020. Great to be with you. I remember attending one of these uh, two years ago, uh, actually four years ago in 2018 when my predecessor was running. Uh, I attended one of those as a county supervisor. I've been very active in the Lynchburg Regional Business Alliance going back some 17 years since I moved back to Lynchburg. I wish that we were actually doing this in person, uh, someplace kind of a central location. It'd be, I think, more meaningful for all of us, but it's wonderful to do this by Zoom, and I appreciate you all making time and giving me the opportunity to visit with you this morning. Uh, For those who don't know, I grew up in the Lynchburg area. Uh, I attended Liberty University for my undergraduate finance degree and my MBA uh, shortly thereafter, worked with Citigroup for 17 years, and then uh, 15 years at Liberty as the chief fundraiser for the athletics department. As I referenced a moment ago, I served four years in the County Board of Supervisors before running for Congress. Uh, I, I think I would just say what I'm most proud of during my time in Congress would be how we have led in constituent services, casework. Uh, we have resolved over 3,000 cases for the citizens of the 5th District uh, and helped recover over $14 million that was owed to constituents of the 5th District by their federal government. And that doesn't mean we went up to Washington and got money to bring it home to the district per se. What it means is that they were owed money by the IRS, the VA, Social Security Administration, Medicare, or some other federal agency, and they reached out to the congressional office for help. And so we, we're very proud of that. We're currently working some 700 cases right now. Uh, the most common cases that we have are veterans issues. We are particularly focused on veterans issues. We've done 40 or so veterans events during my first nearly two years, far and away the most common uh, uh, thing that we've, we've been involved with has been veterans issues. Uh, we've responded to over 50,000 uh, contacts to our citizens in writing who've reached out to their congressional office expressing a view or asking a question or raising a concern. And we've conducted uh, hundreds, hundreds of mobile office visits where every month we come to every every county, every city in the 5th District and bring their congressional office to them. Obviously, you can't have an office in all 24 Current 23 cities and counties in the new election will be 24. We're losing seven, picking up eight. Uh, We're excited about the redistrict fifth, uh, which will be make a little more sense for uh, geographically for the constituents. I think the Supreme Court did a good job kind of starting over there where the districts just make more geographic sense, which allows the constituents to have their representative closer to them, hopefully more visible and more uh, frequently in their respective city or county, and I think they got it right in the 5th District. We hate that we're losing the areas we are, but we're excited about the areas we're picking up, and it just makes a lot more geographic sense. Now we're kind of three hours end-to-end instead of five hours end-to-end, which uh, is just better to keep communities of interest together, uh, as I think they've done largely a better job with that, with the redistricting. So excited to be with you guys today. Look forward to your questions. Next, Democrat Josh Thronberg had his chance to introduce himself. Yeah, well, thanks so much for uh, giving me the opportunity to come and, and chat with you all. I'm grateful for that. Um, I'm Josh Thronberg. I live in Charlottesville uh, with my wife, Minnie, and my two young daughters. Actually, one of them turned 13 last week, so I guess she's not as young as she used to be. But um, and I have a seven-year-old, too, uh, who are both in school here in town. And my background is, you know, I grew up in a, uh, a farming community in rural, rural Illinois, uh, out 
in those cornfields that go forever and those tiny towns that dot them. Um, that's where I grew up, loved it, farming agricultural family and community. It's wonderful. Um, and my family also had a small business. We, my grandfather and his brother started a, a small grain elevator that kind of grew over time and, and became a, a pretty substantial business in our community. So I uh, grew up both in the, the agricultural farming side, but also the small business side, which was wonderful. Um, and uh, have spent most of my life, uh, my vocational life as a pastor. I'm an ordained minister, and that is um, what I've loved doing and have spent many, many years, 15 years or so, pastoring in the local church, and that's been wonderful. Uh, my wife and I have also owned a small business here in Charlottesville and uh, and enjoyed that. And uh, anyway, yeah, that's my, that's my basic story. Um, I think what really inspired me to run for Congress was, as a parent, you know, the the thing that you really want most in this world is for your kids to have a future that is um, healthy and safe and equitable and flourishing, right? That's that's what you want. And I think there are a lot of things in our country where the trajectory of certain things is concerning to a, a parent, um, especially, you know, as y'all can probably tell, I'm a white male, but everyone else in my immediate family are women and they're all women of color. Um, my oldest daughter is adopted from Haiti. My youngest daughter is biracial because my wife is Korean American. So, um, you know, you want to, you want to make sure that what they're walking into is a world where they can really grow and flourish. And I think there are some threats to that. And that's really what inspired my candidacy. This series will continue in the next newsletter. Other topics will include national defense, regulation and taxation, workforce development, public safety, public health, and the role of higher education. Thank you to the Charlottesville Chamber of Commerce for permission to use the audio, and you can also view those in links in the newsletter. But that's it for today's edition, and thanks today to Tatiana Patton for providing the voice of one of the press release soundbites in the podcast version. She wants you to go visit the Rivanna Conservation Alliance at rivanna-river.org. Thank you to Doug Eddy for providing the other. He wants you to try to be kind to one another. Thanks to all of the paying subscribers to the newsletter and podcast who keep the items of information inching along. If you would like to join them, the best way is to subscribe right here in Substack at either $5 a month, $50 a year, or $200 a year. There are the occasional items of first look content, such as the upcoming summary of property transactions in Charlottesville. If you do subscribe, Ting will match your initial payment. And even if you opt not to do so, Ting would still like your business for high-speed internet service. And if you sign up through a link in the newsletter, you will get a $75 gift card to the downtown mall, free installation, and your second month for free. Just enter the promo code COMMUNITY. When will the next installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement be sent out? That's a good question. Look for the circles for the answer. I'm Sean Tubbs. Thank you for being along for the roly-poly ride.